You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson. Hey, what's going on, Danny? How are you today? I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well. I know we got another great episode in line. Tell the listeners what we're talking about today, sir. Okay, so today we brought in Yona Weiss. Uh, Yona's the business director at the Madison Specs, where he assists clients in saving tens of millions of dollars in taxes through cost segregation. So today we spoke about cost segregation and how there's some significant tax advantages. And we also spoke about using most social media. Uh, so yeah, he's full of useful information. He's a very cool guy. We like him. Yeah, Yona's great. Can't wait to jump into this episode. But before we do, just want to give a quick shout out to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and written review. It really helps us grow the podcast, attract more guests, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. If you're a passive investor or looking to get into passive investing, then head over to our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can grab our guide for passive investing in apartment syndications. Just a great introduction into the world of passive investing in apartment syndications. So make sure to check that out. Also grab our apartment syndication sample deal. This is going to help you get comfortable with looking at this type of investment. So when the real opportunities come your way, you'll be ready. If you have any questions about what's in either of these resources, drop us a line anytime on our website's contact us page, or you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're posting some great content on there. So make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, let's jump in the show. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Yona Weiss. Yona is a powerhouse with property owners tax savings. As a business director at Madison Specs, a national cost segregation leader, he has assisted clients in saving tens of millions of dollars on taxes through cost segregation. He has a background in teaching and a passion for real estate and helping others. He's a real estate investor and a host of a new podcast, Weiss Advice. Yona, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Likewise, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. This is a uh... This is great. As I, as I mentioned to you before uh, we started, this is one of my favorite things to do. Just, uh, you know, hanging out, chatting real estate with the uh, podcast. So I appreciate you uh, you inviting me. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, yeah, we're just happy to have you here. You know, so, you know, we see you all over LinkedIn, you know, and we heard many times as a, heard you many times as a guest on other podcasts and, and also on your own podcast, Weiss Advice. You know, it, it's a great show. I highly recommend it to all our listeners. You know, check if you haven't done so already. Uh, you know, you're known for being the cost segregation expert. But take us back, you know, just for a minute, just take us back to the beginning and, and tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got into real estate and cost segregation and to how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. You know, it all goes back to when I was a little boy, I always wanted to be a cost segregation expert. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't <know. laughs> Like someone actually asked me that on a podcast once. Uh, did you want to be this way? You know, when you grew up, I want to be a cost seg expert. No, I don't think anyone does. And the funny thing is, is that I really knew very little about real estate and, and even less about taxes, you know, up until about five years ago. And I was a teacher for many years. Really my passion. I love to teach. I have a big family, six kids, and, and that's, you know, just comes with the territory. But even, you know, even more so, as a teacher, you just have this incredible uh, ability 
to not just help people, but to kind of share in their own journey because you can, you know, and a, and a good teacher is someone that sees potential in their student and then brings that out. And so you can, that's, that's the greatest pleasure. So for me, I, I always love doing that and imagine doing that for my whole life, but you know, it's doesn't, it's not the highest paying job. And at a certain point we needed some extra funds. I'm like, listen, I want to do something else. I love teaching. Let me see what I can find to do. Spoke with a lot of people and, and real estate kept coming back, like real estate, real estate, real estate, friends doing it. And I was like, okay, let me test the waters, see if I can get in the industry, learn about it first of all, and see if I'm even interested. So I started in uh, commercial financing for a little while, just learning the commercial real estate industry, underwriting and that kind of stuff. And then I went into um, brokering residential properties, literally just trying different things. And then I found this company, Madison Commercial Real Estate Services. And I don't know, we, I just hit it off with them and it found like what they were doing, many services, but conservation in particular, it just spoke to me. It was like, wow, this is great. Let me learn everything there is to know about this uh, from the experts themselves, meaning people who have been doing this for decades and just sit with them day by day. Because that's the best way that I learn personally is not by, you know, in a book or in a classroom, but rather just by being around those people who, who are the real experts and just following them around, you know, and just watching what they do and listening Osmosis. to them and asking the questions. Yeah, it's apprenticeship, right? Apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. That's that's really what it's all about. Um, so that's what I did. And fortunately, I was able to kind of merge my teaching background and passion for helping people to, to, to this very, niche uh, like tax service and and kind of really got me involved in the in the real estate world, which is is just I mean that's that's the beginning, okay? And then it just kind of took off from there. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, everybody always talking about real estate, real estate. Like I don't know what to do. Like just find something that you like that you're interested in. And I mean, it's real estate's a, a huge vehicle for uh, you know a, a little bit of a better life for for so many people, uh, whether indirect or direct. You know, even just providing that affordable housing. Like it took somebody passionate about what they're doing to provide you with, you know, a reasonable living space that you enjoy and that you intend on staying there for a little while. I mean, just giving back is huge. And uh, yeah, well, so let's talk real quick. Let's, let's talk about a little bit uh, about the cost segregation. You know, some of our listeners, you know, they might not exactly be familiar with cost segregation. Can you, yeah. can you go through, can you go through that? And, you know, what, what are some of the basics that we should know? Yeah, sure. It, and it's something that, you know, people, it's not something that's talked about a lot because one of the funny things is it's a tax related, right? So for most people, and if you're listening to this, like just, you know, nod to yourself when you hear this, <laughs> this is you. Uh, but um, when you hear taxes, like people's brains just shut off. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I have accountants that deals with that. And like, people just don't want to learn about it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to even like engage their mind in taxes, right? It has to do with taxes. I, I'm not interested. It's too complicated. But, yeah. It's automatically too complicated, mm -hmm. right? But it's not. And especially when it comes to real estate, taxes, especially in the United States that have, that surround real estate investing and the benefits that are involved there are so massive that it pays to just do your education and listen to podcasts like this, at least to find out about so many different vehicles, um, legal vehicles, right? That that are able to do. So so just very simply, cost variation is, is depreciation, okay? It's an advanced form of depreciation, right? And depreciation is a tax deduction that you get when you buy a property. Any property besides for your personal residence, if you buy that, the IRS says, we'd like to give you a gift, right? That you can now write off the value as an income tax write-off, the entire value of that building, okay? Mm -hmm. Very good. You can you can deduct that from your taxes. However, you can't do it all at once. Okay, you do it over a long period of time, right? Sure. Because it's based on the principle 
things go down in value as time goes on, right? So depreciation, that's what it means. But it's it's funny because it's really just a borrowed term, right? When you buy a property, it may have been built in 1925, mm -hmm. but you get to now take a depreciation deduction based on the purchase price you spent in 2020, This you know, whenever you bought it. And you start that schedule today. So it doesn't matter it was built in 1925, you start a 27 and a half year schedule of writing off the value of the building a little bit every year for 27 years, that starts today. So again, it's intrinsic to, to you as the owner and how much you spent and not too intrinsic to the property itself. So that's the cool thing about depreciation. Now, it gets even cooler when we talk about cost segregation, which is just segregating that cost, okay? okay. Let's put that in plain English. It's, it's breaking out the components of the property that actually many of them depreciate on faster schedules, meaning you can take the tax value of those things, uh, those individual assets like furniture or equipment, appliances and things like that, and write that off from your taxes at a much faster rate than the 27 years that the IRS says the whole building does. So essentially, that's what we're doing. We're splitting up the building, the main structure from the stuff that's inside of it, uh, personal property and stuff that's outside of it, which is land improvements, things like you know concrete and landscaping and, and the like. And we're able to take those faster deductions, essentially increasing cash flow by giving you more tax deductions. Awesome. What kind of properties... Uh, okay, so like, it, it, can cost segregation be used on any property? Any property whatsoever, as long as it's not your personal residence. Okay, so any business property, any, and that's the great thing. It doesn't have to be just the, an, an investment property. Investment property for sure, right? Mm -hmm. But business property, something a lot of people don't think about. Hey, I, I'm, uh, you know, you're a doctor. You own the building that your practice is in. You don't consider yourself a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. You happen to just own the building. Your business owns the building. Maybe you're a manufacturer, right? And you uh, own a factory that produces, you know, whatever, rubber tires, I don't know what. And you're not a real estate investor, right? You you make furniture or whatever. That building is a business property. You get the depreciation deduction. You can actually do cost segregation on that as well. So it's not relegated just to real estate investors per se, but any property whatsoever. That's awesome. Um, okay. So we've, we've heard at different times, you know, the cost segregation study could outweigh the benefit, you know, basically suggesting that depending on the situation, you know, it might not really make sense to pursue that, you know, the cost seg study. Is this true? And where might that apply? Yeah. So let's break it down because uh, in just in, in simple numbers, uh, because what we do is we're allocating the purchase price into different categories into, that can take a tax deductions faster. So you know, obviously, if the cost of the study itself, which is, you know, usually a few thousand dollars to do, if the tax benefits, you know, don't outweigh, you know, by far the cost of getting it done, so then simply it doesn't make sense. So let's just break it down. What would be the cost of doing what would be a simple, you know, average uh, property that makes sense? So let's take a building and you can, do, you know, make, you know, add, subtract, multiply, divide to make sense for your situation. But let's just take a million dollars. Okay. Simple million dollars, because this is like, you blow out of the water, the amount of tax deductions. Well, you do $100,000 just divided by 10, but you'll get the point on, on your own. Million dollars, the first thing you do is you automatically separate a certain point for land, which does not depreciate. So that can be 10%, 20%, okay? Let's say it's 20% to land. So you buy a building for a million dollars, you set aside 20% for land, and then the remaining amount you can take as a tax deduction, okay? 
$800,000 and you split that out by 27 and a half. Now I will just parenthetically say here, commercial buildings besides multifamily and residential appreciate on a 39 year schedule, but just, you know, put that aside, I've been referencing 27 and a half. You divide 800,000 by 27 and a half, you have around $30,000 a year. That's your tax deduction. Regular depreciation. Everyone does this. Everyone's accountant does this. Okay. Which means if you made $50,000 from your property, your net operating income, you automatically deduct 30,000 for your depreciation deduction. And I'm rounding numbers here, but just to make it simple, you only have to pay taxes on the remaining 20,000. That's simply how depreciation works. Okay. Now comes cost segregation and we identify engine through an engineering process. We identify in a property, what is the personal property? And typically it's around 20%. Okay. Can be more, can be less, but let's just keep it round. 20% of 800,000 is $160,000. Okay. $160,000 um, is pretty cool. Pretty good, right? You're able to take uh, that amount now as a tax deduction over a five-year period, an extra $160,000. So now you've more than doubled your depreciation. And without getting too crazy with math here, if you just take 160 divided by five, you're left with about 40,000, right? A year that's doubles, more than doubles your 30,000 regular depreciation deduction. Okay. Wow. So you've totally wiped out your taxable income and you have, you know, extra losses, extra deductions. Okay. That's simple, but there's something that makes it even better is so with a million dollar property, you know, right? If, if you're getting $160,000 tax deduction mm-hmm. uh, over a five-year period, that's in, you know, in layman's terms after tax benefit, meaning that's lowering your taxable liability, that's minimally $100,000, $150,000 of tax benefit. Okay. Tax deduction. So simply put a million dollars, right? Is going to give you a minimum of $100,000 of, of tax benefit. Okay. Which million dollar property. So to pay a few thousand dollars, they get a hundred thousand dollar tax benefit. I think it makes sense. Divide that by 10, $100,000 building, get a $10,000 tax deduction benefit after tax benefit makes less sense. Am I going to pay a few thousand dollars to get $10,000 after tax benefit? It's it's pushing it, right? Right. Okay. So I, I don't usually recommend it um, on properties that are, you know, that small, um, you know, $500,000 or more, totally no brainer, right? Under that definitely can make sense, but worthwhile to look into, which is why we provide a free estimate for all our clients or not just clients, anyone reaches out, you can get a, you know, a free estimate to see what your tax savings will be. So that's, that's how it works out. So to, to answer your question in uh you know, get back to your original question, Chris, yes, there are situations where it just doesn't make sense, right? Where, you know, the tax benefit does not uh, highly outweigh the, uh, the cost of getting it done. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, can I do this study myself or, you know, like with what, what's stopping, what's stopping an individual from doing themselves? Do they need to use a, a firm? Excellent question. So the IRS actually, um, put out a guide, which is called the Conservation Audit Techniques Guide. And in that it, you know, outlines everything that needs to go into a proper quality conservation study. And so one of those things that it says is that it needs to be done by someone who is experienced, has, you know, experience in construction and engineering. Okay. So it's pretty, pretty straightforward that you need someone that that's doing it. You cannot do it yourself. You actually need to have someone who, who knows what they're doing and follows all the rules. And there's a lot of anything that's tax related. There's a lot of hoops to jump through, right? There's a whole, sure. you know, method methodology you have to use according to their, you know, to be audit proof, right? You have to make sure you're using their methodology. They have a whole numbering system. They have a whole nomenclature. You have to use everything. Mm-hmm. If it's off, it's wrong. There's a whole, you know, you have to show your work. You have to provide source materials to where you came up with those findings. So there's 
there's a whole, you know, we create a report that's 80, 90, 100 pages long, which includes all of that, uh, you know, not just the findings from the property, but also all the sources to back that, right, from all the tax code and all the, you know, case history where, uh, where we found that. So, yeah, it really cannot be done. Okay. Uh, like you touched on some, you know, just in, in terms of like auditing, uh, auditing, whatever, you know, does, does a cost segregation increase someone's chances for an audit? And it, if so, like, does, like, does your company like have, you know, does your company have my back at that point? Or do you, do you defend me? Like, how do I make sure that cost segregation company like has my best interest in mind come, I guess, beyond the benefits, the, the, the monetary benefits, like how do I know that a, a, a firm has our best interest in mind? Hundred percent. So, conservation is a hundred percent approved, you know, method, and in fact, is the correct method of depreciating your property according to the IRS. Which means that they prefer that you do it this way. They don't require it because it would actually, if you think about it, would mean uh, less revenue for for the, the U.S. Treasury. Be, so, but but it is in fact the correct way of doing it. They came up with all the rules. So, as long as you are using a firm that is qualified, um, they're following the audit technique guide and they uh, there's no risk whatsoever in getting this done there's no risk of an audit by just doing this whatsoever mm-hmm. in fact in the you know upwards of 16,000 studies that are that our firm has performed you know over the past 15 years we have had a handful of clients that have been audited for other reasons I think about 12 or 13 altogether over that period of time oh. and 100% of those studies came back with no change because again it's following all the rules and yes we do stand behind our work and that's in our uh, engagement letter, you know, a paragraph in there that cites that, yes, we stand behind our work with no extra charge if in the fact event you would ever be audited. So you want to make sure that you're doing it with a firm that has that experience and that knows what they're doing and are playing by all the rules. Okay. Um, uh, that's actually awesome. Um, if somebody if somebody or a company is, is actually interested in, in getting a cost seg done, like what kind of questions should they be asking like a potential firm? Well, I think one, one thing that they should ask themselves first of all, is number one, are you a real estate professional? And this is something that gets overlooked by a lot of people. And it's kind of a complicated topic. But simply put, uh, to simplify the, the complex, if you are a full time in the real estate trader business, and you own properties, and you are involved in the you know operations and running those pro- rental properties. So if you fit that criteria, then conservation is probably for you. Okay, regardless, sure. <laughs> for other reasons, which we can get into. Uh, but other thing you should be asking is, you know, obviously how much does this cost? Is it worthwhile? You should have someone be walking you through, well, what are the downsides to this? You know, what, mm-hmm. what, wh- how will this affect me when I sell the property, right? How will this affect me if I, if I do this? Why can't my accountant do this? Um, you know, et cetera, things like that. These are questions that you should be asking. How do I know that my accountant will agree with your approach, et cetera? Oh, okay. How much do these generally cost? Um, minimally, usually a few thousand dollars per property. Um, it can run typically between, I don't know, anywhere from three to ten thousand uh, dollars, but usually for smaller multifamily properties, it's usually between the three and five range. Sure, you know, through all of your conversations, you, you most likely cover like you know all aspects of cost segregation, just ranging from basic to you know wildly complex. Mm-hmm. You know, are are there anything like what what's a thing that doesn't commonly get 
asked about cost segregation that you think probably should be highlighted or addressed? I touched on it before slightly, but I think it's important to, it is a complex topic and it's something that even a lot of accountants don't know about. And I would say that I literally know more about this subject than, you know, 95% of accountants out there, just because it's a very niche topic and I've studied extensively. And most accountants, especially if they're not real estate, you know, involved uh, from day to day, they don't really know about this. So, but one thing that people don't talk about a lot is what's called recapture tax. So this is what's going to impact you when you sell your property. And it's not talked about a lot because oftentimes people are, just, you know, if you're talking to a conservation firm, for example, and trying to get a, they're trying to sell you on, on a product. And it, it happens more often than not with all types of financial products and services that there's some uh, there's not enough transparency uh, involved. They're, they're, they're trying to sell you on the bells and whistles and not necessarily telling you about, well, will this work for you? Right? Is this best for your situation? And it varies from everyone's situation. So the best thing to do, which is why we provide a free upfront analysis, which tells you objectively what the property itself can get. And then you have to ask yourself, well, will I be able to benefit from this? Right? Mm-hmm. Can this help me personally? And that's really uh, the conversations I like to have. Definitely need that transparency. I can I can see that happening all the time. Like they, they're hiding back this other thing because they need that sale up front and people don't know really a lot of times like what they're walking into. Um, can you break down that uh, that recapture, you know, in layman terms, com- simplify the complex for us? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So anytime you sell an investment property, uh, you're subject to what's called recapture tax, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a misnomer that I've heard going around that recapture means I have to give back all the depreciation. That is wrong. You do not give back all the depreciation. That's not what recapture is about. It's a tax that you're subject to, okay? And like all types of taxes, there are also strategies and ways around them, right? Legally. However, you have to know that, yes, when you sell a property, you're subject to recapture tax, which means, uh, and typically that recapture tax is less than your ordinary income tax, okay? Significantly less. So therefore, anyways, if you look at it in a bubble, right? If I were to forego taking these deductions up front, which is what we're doing, we're front-loading deductions, the time value of money. If I were to forego them, I would have to pay tax, okay? That I'm going to be taxed at the highest possible rate, right? However, when I sell the property and then I'm subject to some of that tax, it's going to be at a lower rate. So anyways, you have the arbitrage of the the difference between, you know, what I would have paid up front had I not done the cost versus what I'm going to have to be subject to later on at a lower rate. That's number one. Number two is that there are ways around it, like a 1031 exchange, for example. If you do a 1031 exchange, which is a legal way of deferring your capital gains tax upon the sale of a property, doing it properly, you also defer that recapture tax. That's another way to, to get around that. And, and as I mentioned before, the real strategy of cost segregation, it has to fit into your overall business plan, your overall business strategy. It's a great way to knock on, to lower or completely do away with your tax liability. It's a great way to do it, especially if your plan is the scale in real estate. You want to buy more than one property in your life, right? In the next year or two or five, you want to be scaling. It's a great way that you can now have more cash because you're paying less taxes. And we know taxes are a huge expense. So therefore, having that money now means a lot more to me. What I can do with that, reinvest that than if I, you know, just would forego that and have to, you know, pay it later. Yeah, that's that time value of money again. Um, what, what kind of things are you looking for? Like when you go to when you go to a property, you know, we were talking about like the, the actual structural components.
components and then like what kind of things, what, can you give me an example of something that wouldn't qualify like within a property? I guess that's probably a shorter list than the stuff that does qualify. Sure. Yeah. Essentially like what we're doing is breaking out uh, the structure components, which still depreciate on that 39 or 27 year schedule. Sure. We're breaking out from that things that depreciate faster. So there's basically two main categories of things. There's what's called personal property and that includes anything in a building, in a property that's not structural. Okay. So, you know, appliances, furniture, fixtures, carpeting, cabinets, shelving, you know, all kinds of electrical and lighting and things like that. Anything that's not structural, all of that mm -hmm. depreciates on a five-year schedule that we're taking those tax deductions up front. What's structural that, you know, will not apply uh, to answer your question, that's like the roof, the floor, walls, windows, doors, main plumbing, main electric, right? All that's the main value. Okay. Usually that's the majority of the value of your property. And, you know, so too, it, that, that won't be uh, it won't be applied in the cost irrigation. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I had a I had a lot of questions lined up, but I don't really want to sit here and just fire questions off to you, man. Um, <laughs> just doesn't seem like that much fun. Um, <laughs> how Your show, long, man. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, how long does this normally take? You know, let's say like we, we hire your firm and you, you like you've given us, uh, you know, you've given us just your uh, objective, uh, objective opinion on uh, before you've even gotten there of what we stand to benefit. And then we say, all right, we like it. Come on in and do this. Like what's kind of the time frame, you know, that people are looking for start to finish before I get, you know, the results, I guess. Usually uh, it's a few weeks turnaround time. So from beginning to end, you know, it's the one, the first thing is that free estimate, which takes a couple couple days just to turn around and that will basically tell you upfront whether it's worthwhile or not. And then, yeah, once we get our, we'll have engineers come into the property, which actually now we've, we've pivoted and transitioned into total, you know, virtual site tours. So usually okay. we have a team of engineers, you know, stationed around the country and usually they'd be traveling all over, right. To get to this property, that property, you know, all over the country. Um, we've, you know, because of the current situation and nobody wants to meet anyone in person anymore, right? Right. no one wants someone coming into their property. We've, uh, and we've been very successful with this and very happy with the results um, of doing it remotely. So our engineers, you'll meet with someone on site, whether it's a property manager or the owner or someone that has access to the units and take a, a you know, a virtual tour, you know, any exactly like they would be doing had they been on site taking pictures and measurements and um, et cetera. So yeah, and that come back, create that report, which, you know, pumps out a new depreciation schedule. Mm -hmm. And that whole, you know, whole thing takes uh, a few weeks to turn around. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, it's crazy how, you know, we go, we continue to just adapt and overcome, you know, like this year has just wrecked, you know, so many different things and, uh, you know, everything's gone virtual. Like I said, like, no one wants to meet with anybody. You know, it's it's kind of crazy, but uh, I think it's extremely fascinating that we're able to do this, uh, a, a lot of this stuff, just simply remote, um, just kind of mind-boggling. I guess I hadn't yeah. even considered that fact. It's awesome, yeah. I think it opens up so many possibilities also when, you know, you're not, obviously we all prefer meeting in person, right? The networking events and, you know, in-person meetings face-to-face, -face, but it opens up so many more opportunities, so many more possibilities. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yona, man, you know, 
we're, we're running out of time uh, today. You know, I think we could kind of continue just going on and on, you know, and just <laughs> until we go blue in the face. I think I say that enough. But, uh, you know, but before we go, I really want to take a minute and just shine a lot on you. You're such a help to us with all your information. Tell us what you got going on in your life, man. I appreciate that, Chris. Um, I appreciate, uh, you know, you following us on, on, on LinkedIn and I'm really big on that platform. I love it. And I've shared a lot of tips on that. Uh, especially helped me to start the Weiss Advice podcast. That's something I'm really mm-hmm. proud of, really happy about. Um, and one of the things that I did as a result of this pandemic was, well, number one, I, I finally, you know, get around to, to getting involved in multifamily syndication myself, which I plan to do beforehand, but involved in that right now for the first time in a deal. So that's exciting. And the second thing I did was create a virtual uh, real estate meetup. So, you know, I loved going to these networking events and go to these meetups and go to conferences and we can't do that anymore. So I started uh, back in May and we meet every single week and we have a guest speaker come for, you know, about 30, 45 minutes or so, speak about a different topic every week related to real estate. And then we have networking. So the Zoom has these breakout rooms where you can actually do these networking. So it's a lot of fun. That's something I love. It's called the Real Estate Connections Virtual Meetup. Up. Um, I post about it on LinkedIn every week and Facebook also. So if you're interested in, in joining, we have people from all over the country, usually but annual, anywhere between 40 and 100 people are there every week. And um, people, literally people from students to, to the vendors, to people who own thousands of units to, you know, everything in between. It's it's really a lot of fun. Great group of people. Man, that's awesome. Yona, this has been uh, this has been a fascinating and a great conversation. You know, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to learn more about you and, and your story. Tell the listeners how we can uh, uh, how they can find you. Uh, you know, is it just LinkedIn? Where are you at? <laughs> I'm only on LinkedIn. That's uh, that's no. Uh, you can go to yonaweiss.com. So that's my website. There you can actually fill out a form if you want a free estimate on your property. It also links you to our company's website, Madison Specs, which we're the largest national company that does cost segregation. Uh, but yeah, definitely reach me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. In fact, I check that uh, my messages there before I even check my email. So if you want to want to find me anywhere, that's going to be your most likely bet. Cool. Perfect. Uh, we'll make sure to uh, have that in the show notes so everybody can have uh, real quick access to you. Yona, man, it was great having you on the show. Uh, I definitely appreciate you sharing a little bit of your time with me. And, uh, you know, basically for the listeners, you know, that's kind of all we have for today. And uh, we'll have somebody else real special next week. And then we'll see you later. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.